0: Step out, take that risk, but change is uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable because like we've heard before, anything worth pursuing is going to require some effort, some sacrifice. But when we get there, we're thankful for it. We know that it was worth it.
1: Whether it's in everyday friendships or colleagues that you interact with or a significant other, for some of you, be it your spouse, we all can agree the relationships we hold in life are important. Pretty sure the last 24 hours of life I had to interact with a number of people from best friends to family and operating in a manner of health and wholeness is definitely a desire of mine. Hopefully it is for you too. Today I invited a friend of mine on The Places Between to share a bit from his point of view as a therapist. So those of you listening get an extra treat for free of the incredible wisdom and knowledge Alex has and shares with many of his paying clients. Alex Avila has his master's and certified in a number of other therapies, from trauma to addiction and more. He's the founder and director of Relationship Institute of the Rockies in Denver, Colorado. As a licensed professional counselor, he meets with men, women, and couples to help them overcome trauma, connect emotionally in their relationships, and rewrite their sexual scripts. He facilitates couples' workshops and couple therapy intensives, men's recovery groups, and online relationship classes. He's the author of 40 Forms of Intimacy to give people practical ways to connect and experience greater intimacy beyond sex. And his newest book is what I'm excited to dive into discussing today. If I asked you the question, what does emotional safety mean to you? Would you know how to describe it? Do you ever have moments where you question why you do what you do when you're interacting with others? His newest book, Emotional Safety, Honoring Yourself While Creating Trust and Presence to Experience Meaningful Relationships, Helps people, not just couples of all ages understand why they do what they do when interacting with others and then ways to feel confident in holding a new roadmap to connect more deeply in relationships. I don't know about you guys, but I could always use more tips for better ways to experience more meaningful relationships, especially as I want to be better in every area of my life and be the best version of myself especially for my future. But if you're like me, you know it all matters now with all those tiny little habits, thoughts, and even interactions with others. Let's get to know Alex a little better. You ready? Pull up a chair, grab that cup of coffee, and dive in with us to The Places Between. When you find yourself between here and there, the now and the then, it can feel difficult to embrace life and all that it has to offer, especially when you feel like you haven't arrived yet. Wherever you're at though, we wanna help in that beautiful struggle of transitioning well through aspects of faith and life with The Places Between, a podcast all about transitions. Hi, I'm your host, Wendy. I'm a storyteller and a creative with a passion for adventure, fitness, and faith. What began as a love for travel, experiences, and community turned into helping clients around the country tell their own stories and inviting others to join them. I've always been passionate about people fully living. That means navigating those places between, opening up a safe space to have conversations, and encouraging growth along the journey. So join me as we explore what it's like to transition well on The Places Between. So wonderful to connect with you today. I'm just excited for what listeners are going to hear. It's
0: an honor to be here. And I've always loved how you encourage people. And I'm just happy to be able to share with other people that you talk to about how my story can fit into what maybe can encourage them.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. For those that are listening, just to give you some brief history. Gosh, I was thinking back, funny enough, I was talking to a Caleb colleague and I was thinking back to years and years ago that you were running a marathon for world vision and how we all did this running club together. And while that has nothing to do with today's talk, (laughs) it's still really fun that God interweaves people through our lives and is more fun to work with you recently. Within the last few years, we partnered and brought you in to work with some of our anti-trafficking efforts as an expert and a speaker on behalf of therapists to really talk about how to thrive in relationships and what does that mean? Alex, why don't we start by having you just share a little bit about who you are. Who's Alex? Married, kids, where do you live? Maybe something that social media wouldn't know about you.
0: <laughs> See, and I think about who we are as people, I always think of identity first. And it's so easy to wrap up our professional lives and our identity and our roles and things. So when we strip away the roles, the expectations, you know, what we do for work and kind of get down to the core Of who we really are. And I think about first and foremost, I believe I'm a child of God. I must have to remember that and a follower of Jesus, because that's the only way I could do anything is because of him, how he's guided me and how he's created me and works through me. So from there, I can step into the other parts of who I am and what energizes me, my passions and desires. And, and that next thing for me is family. So I am married. My wife and I are coming up on 20 years and. I certainly don't get it right all the time, but I've been learning a lot along the way. I could write a whole book about what not to do in the first year of marriage uh, because <laughs> I didn't have a lot of education experience about that. But being a good husband, being a good father is of primary importance to me. That's what I really want to leave this world knowing I did well, that I left the mark in this world for other people, but first of all, my family.
1: Yeah. And how old is your
0: son? Yeah, he's 13. And we just really, we're a close family and love connecting, doing a lot of things together. We love the beach and we enjoy, we've gone to Mexico many times, gone to Hawaii a few times. And and that's how we really connect as a family. We really love getting away and, and doing something different. We love Colorado I mean, the majestic mountains here, as you know, is beautiful. We always see God and nature here with sunsets with just so much beauty. But you know what we don't have here a lot in Colorado is the beach, so we love to get away. We try to take more vacations as we can and and that's you know what we're looking forward to is getting getting to do more of those as a family.
1: I love it. For now, we'll get to know Alex and a little bit more of your story and your history of working with couples and individuals and therapy. As you look back at life and things that you've accomplished, how would you define success? What does that look like to you?
0: Right. And sometimes I don't pause enough to be present with accomplishments. I think how we kind of define success in the world, but I just seem to keep moving on to the next thing God is calling me. And I've wondered if I've made myself ADD in some way over the last several years because I've been into this and into that. People who know me know I usually have a lot going on. So, I think for me, success is how I'm connected to God and my family. Again, when I'm obedient to what God is calling me to, and I'm listening for direction, I'm feeling His presence, and as best as I can be, I'm clear about the next step he's leading me to, I feel that's when my life is most fulfilling. I really feel like that's when I'm living life, when I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And of course, that's when I have a sense of purpose, that I'm using the gifts and talents that God's given me.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, you talk about purpose, and I know that there's a lot of confusion out there around people going, I have to find like my purpose. Can you break it down for us anymore just in terms of Like it doesn't have to be one specific thing and what purpose, how that feels to you in terms of fulfilling. How would you encourage other clients if they're like, I don't know what my purpose is.
0: It's sometimes difficult to be clear on what that is. I think career-wise, a lot of people find out maybe in their 40s, 50s, that you know, they, they do a career transition and then they start to realize, like, hey, I was made for this. And that that was part of my story when I switched careers around 2006, 2007. And I think just looking at purpose, one of the deeper, bigger things in life, and those things have to be bigger than us um, that we hold on to, especially those things that get us through the tough times and the waiting. Knowing our purpose, I believe, it, it starts with God. It starts with maybe people helping us understand Stand and call out our gifts and our strengths if we don't see them they can lead us to that and they can give us suggestions. Anybody that believes in us, that knows us, that cares for us, they might know what we're called to and see it in us. And we're struggling to really pinpoint it, but I don't think it is one thing. And I don't think it's that we arrive and all of a sudden I found my purpose. We might find our calling. We might can be able to live and work and do things within our strengths and our talents and that. But I think we hear that from other people. It's confirmed by God. And sometimes it takes years or decades and it's... Not always easy to be clear about the direction we're heading, but purpose. You now we're we're pursuing that. We're listening for that, and when we hear it, you know, we we start to feel a little bit more like we matter. That we know why we're here on this earth.
1: Absolutely, that's so good. I was just having this conversation about being multi passionate. And as an entrepreneur, they were like, what do you do for work? And I was like, well, (laughs) let me list off some of the things. And I think it's unique and also really amazing that we can live in such a time now that we really can be multi-passionate and find our purpose in different avenues. And like I talked to my mom friends and they're like, my purpose right now is to be a mom with my kids while they're at home before they get into elementary school And then I have other friends that are like, I'm not married with kids yet, so my purpose is to pour into my community. And they look at their job as like a tent skill. For listeners, my reference to a tent skill would probably be like something that you do to get you through to pay the bills so that you can fund something else and pour into something else. And then I know other people that have purpose, really fulfilling purpose within their work. So it's not just your calling and your job, but it really comes from so many different avenues. And I, I love that you talk about people calling that out within you. And it's almost like if we were to go back to our parents to say, what did I do a lot as a kid? What were their things? And I don't know if as a therapist, maybe this is advice that you give. But asking our parents or people that have known us for a long, long time, what are things that you noticed about me that I did way before I was concerned with work or identity or those kind of things? And even for me personally, people will say from a super young age, you are always into storytelling. You are always into like coming up with stories and you are always into pretending to be someone else in terms of like acting or performing So it's fun to see like how that kind of translates into adult life. And I'm a storyteller. I love hosting people to tell their stories. Yeah. So I just love looking at purpose, different angles. But I do want to get into talking about this exciting announcement about your new book that's coming out. It's called Emotional Safety, Honoring Yourself While Creating Trust and Presence to Experience Meaningful Relationships which is so needed right now, especially in light of COVID and the shutdown that we experienced and a lot of people's way to process grief and trauma and all of the things. It's like, if we can be the best version of ourselves, then give me that resource. (laughs) So why did you feel like writing this book? Why now?
0: Right. No, first of all, I love how you're doing what you're doing because people saw that in you as a young person, right? As a child, and, and you're, you created, you crafted this, this career, this, you know, this way of being and helping people and serving people around that. And that's what lights you up, right? That's what brings you life. So, um, I love that. And anytime we could step into that, that calling, what we're created for, it helps us feel like we're living that fulfilling life. So, yeah, um, with my career transition, same thing, you know, I, and I wanted to help people. So, that's why I got into being a counselor and wanted to help people in relationships, wanted to help people understand themselves and improve their mental health and connect. So, connecting with other people, I think that takes care of a lot of depression, anxiety, feeling isolated, addiction. A lot of people will say attachment, healthy attachment to others, to God, is the opposite of addiction, right? So, addiction can be an attachment, And so, when we are connecting with people in healthy ways, and we we have a few safe people in our life, we only need one. But if we have a few that we could really go deep with, it helps us not feel alone. It helps us feel understood. Uh, Maybe we're not going to struggle as much. You know, people get us, Mm -hmm. and we feel loved. We feel seen. So, um, with this book, the emotional safety concept, uh, of course, has been around for a long time. And as therapists, we know about that, and we try to create safety in the room. You know, if somebody's sharing their story, we have to be safe. And I use the word approachable. We have to be approachable. It's kind of a way to help understand emotional safety. But if people can share with us easily, you know, if people have said that to you as a friend or family member, that they say it's so easy to talk to you. Um, I feel like I can share anything with you or I've never shared this with anybody, but and they're sharing it with you. Like that is a sacred time. So, Um, I wanted people to be able to experience that and help them understand when they struggle in relationships, it might not be their fault. It might be what they've learned growing up. And we didn't get this class in middle school or high school. I wish we did about here's how you understand your emotions. Here's how you connect in relationships. You know, when things go wrong, here's what to do and treat yourself kindly, right? Because we, we sometimes can beat ourselves up. So okay. so especially people that have experienced some kind of relational trauma, maybe in childhood, maybe from a parent feeling rejected or abandoned or, you know, these deep vulnerable feelings you might have of inadequacy or you no, know, just not being good enough. Not feeling worthy. Um, So, this book really addresses a lot of that. Where do these beliefs come from? How can we be kinder to ourselves? How do we connect with other people and understand them? Uh, So, a big part of this is is spotting unsafe behaviors Mm -hmm. in people. What are other people doing? We might take responsibility for and blame ourselves. So, how do we notice that and set the appropriate boundaries and then not feel bad about that? You know, if we need to keep people beyond arm's length just to protect ourselves, how do we craft this safe inner circle with people, you know, that we can be completely authentic with? And when we can be ourselves, we feel whole. We feel like we're not holding anything back. And that's where intimacy is born. We, when we can be ourselves and someone else can be themselves with us, whether it's a close friend, a spouse, a family member, anybody that will be there, be present and be that safe person we can go to and we can be safe for them. That's where we're going to experience the deepest connection.
1: Yeah, that's so good. So let's back up to talk about boundaries just a little, because I know I've had multiple conversations with people that think boundaries is That's only something that you set up for people that you don't want access to you, you know? Whereas you're probably talking about healthy boundaries. Like, it's okay to have healthy boundaries with people we love and deeply care about, but also know there's a certain extent that we can't go with them. Can you expand a little bit on that, what that means?
0: Yes, boundaries aren't always to keep people out completely. The boundaries, it's not cutting people out of our lives necessarily. When people are... unsafe so and I make a clear distinction in the book about what is an unsafe behavior and what is an unsafe person mm-hmm. you know, an unsafe person is someone who's going to continually manipulate you blame you abuse you in some other ways or neglect you which is a form of abuse if they're not open to changing they're not willing and they're continuing to do harm you know that fits more under the unsafe person yeah. right they're not looking at this and we really have to have protective boundaries and that might be saying to them you know you we can still love people and have boundaries with them so we can we can say you know what what you're doing is not okay so the and sign is very important there so i have a ampersand in my office on the wall so we always can have an and it's not always a but but it's no i i love you and I need you to say that differently. I need you to stop doing this behavior. So there could be a request. And in the book, I have a lot of those specific statements. Here's what you can say to request safety from somebody. But a boundary isn't always completely cutting people out. It's not It's not always a door. A boundary can be, it's conditional in some way. It's situational, you know, so I can stay in this conversation As long as you lower your voice, as long as you don't call me names. So yeah, we might still be in relationship with someone and need to set certain boundaries that protect our hearts.
1: Wow, that's not easy to do. I just think back to a few examples that I've had to do that. And it's as somebody who grew up as a peacemaker and like, let's push everything under the rug. (laughs) It is very hard to confront something that Mm -hmm. feels threatening or unsafe. And yet the suggestions that you're giving, I love that. Just adding the and, like, mm-hmm. I still love you. And let's keep having this conversation if you can keep your voice lower.
0: Right. It's so. like that traffic cop, right? It's like, I need to put one hand here to hold the traffic. And then I have the other person, the other hand waving the person toward me. And <sighs> that's so that I, part of the subtitle of the book right, is honoring yourself. So I think when we get to that place where we can truly value ourselves, believe in ourselves, love ourselves well, it becomes easier to put up those boundaries and and assert ourselves, right? We're not being aggressive, we're being assertive by asking for what we need mm-hmm. and sharing how we feel. And I believe that's where healthy relationships can really grow. They deepen because we're being real. And you know that if you've had a, for a long time and you've got into some arguments or disagreements and maybe you said some things went too far and but you repair it and you can be honest and vulnerable and again be your authentic self and now you know each other on a deeper level and you know I think it gives you confidence because you know you can repair it we got off track we're human we said some things but we owned up to it we adequately apologized specifically for what we did and the harm we caused and we are working on it. And we know that area that is going to be sensitive for us. And we have to walk around that delicately so we don't harm each other again.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I know having healthy, thriving relationships, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work, but I know it's worth it. And I'm sure you would say that every day and twice on Sunday. So how would you say emotional safety is connected to trust and then forgiveness?
0: I think, I don't know if we can have forgiveness without emotional safety. I don't know if we can have trust without forgiveness and emotional safety. So, when we do harm and we're human, we're going to hurt each other. So, we just have to learn how to walk through those processes. And I talk about how apologies in the book, apologies, forgiveness, and reconciliation are three separate processes. So, not every relationship can be reconciled. Now, some people aren't alive anymore. Some people aren't willing to continue the conversation and repair the relationship. So sometimes we have to do the forgiveness process on our own and maybe talk with somebody else to help us manage some of the guilt, some of the obligation, some of the residual pain that the other person isn't helping repair. We don't have that closure. So we need that genuine apology. Again, it clearly acknowledges the specific actions, the specific harm, and they get it. If someone's genuinely apologizing, they see our sadness or they see how we're hurt. So they're owning what they've done and it hurts them to see us hurt. So their apology is sincere. And then the trust clock, as I call it, begins to to start. And as we see their changed behavior, because it's not just a decision, it's not just a one-time apology, it's changed behavior demonstrated over time mm. consistently, that starts to build trust of okay maybe this person isn't going to harm me like they did before Mm. because i see that they're doing things that tell me i will be safe and as soon as we start to feel safe with them we'll open back up we'll start to again be able to be ourselves we don't have to withhold anytime we have to withhold something that should be a warning sign for us like i want to really tell him this but i know if i tell him he's not going to listen or if i tell her she's going to minimize it or she's just going to give me advice, she's not really going to sit there and listen like I need her to. So, so we withhold a lot. So if we just start with paying attention to how often we hit the pause button, yeah. and stop sharing, that's going to help us understand when we don't feel emotionally safe with someone in any given situation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's so good. There's a pastor in I think he's in Georgia, Andy Stanley, and mm-hmm. he has this phrase, "Pay attention to the tension." Mm-hmm. And that for me was pivotal even 10 years ago of in any relationship, whether it's a dating relationship, a marriage, or a friendship of when there's tension that comes up, there's a reason, you know, and just paying attention to that. Like, is this something that needs to be talked about? Is this something that makes you like, do you cringe or do you have to walk on eggshells around a person or are you withholding information like you were just talking about? So I know that change is clearly not overnight. What would you say to someone who wants to make significant change in their life, be it on the healthy side if they want to be healthier, they want to head somewhere spiritually or for others that are like, Mm, I'm probably the person that needs to make some big changes so people will feel safe with me. Can you talk about any advice that you would give towards others about what it takes to make that commitment to change and um, how they can experience that?
0: Right. Uh, we know change is a process, right? That's sometimes we don't like to hear that word. We don't always like to hear the word be patient, but change, any kind of relational change certainly requires two people, but we could do a lot. Of work on our end even if another person doesn't do anything but even as an individual if we are pursuing change it helps to look at the signs of any little markers sometimes we wait to celebrate until we feel like we've reached that final goal so the whole time we're just maybe in that state of tension where we're seeing how much work we have to do and i think it's nice to sit sometimes just to see the progress and to look back and go, wow, like, look how far I've come. And a lot of people that journal can see this, you know, just to Mm -hmm. journal, and see how is God working in my life and look how far I have come and look what I've done. And then not to look so far ahead and that could be daunting because sometimes we don't have all the instructions, we don't have the steps yet. Um, so, it's hard to be patient and wait for something we don't even know what it's going to look like. So, I think it is leaning into God, it's, it's listening to that step. And when we have a relationship with God and we stay connected to Him, we're going to have that peace. First of all, we're going to have that connection with Him. And I think we start to understand his timeline a little bit more, which is always different than ours. And I think most of us can look back and say, I'm so glad he didn't answer that prayer because <laughs> you know he had something bigger and better in mind for us that fits who we are. And then we see it. And go, oh, that's why. And sometimes we won't see that that's why, maybe for years, and it can be difficult. So it is, of course, trust in the waiting. It It is the patience. Practically, we need to connect with people who know us, who love us, who are praying for us, and can also hear our heart and hear our our sadness. And if, if we need to share that we doubt God, you know, like a lot of people have in the Bible and you no, know, we don't know, we don't feel or sense God working at this time. So if we have a friend that we can go to and share and they're not going to give us that quick advice, you know, you just need to trust God and here's a scripture and this will help, but someone who's going to sit there with us in the pain and uncertainty and, and say, you know what? I don't know. We don't know what God's up to, but I, I'm here with you. And we can at the right time encourage them with some of those truths that God isn't going to forsake us. He's here and look at what you're doing. This is definitely something he's called you into and change is, is hard. We do need to take a step. Sometimes it's a practical step. Sometimes we have to learn a new skill or go back to school or step out, take that risk, but change. Is uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable because like we've heard before, anything worth pursuing is going to require some effort, some sacrifice, but when we get there, we're thankful for it. We know that it was worth it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I think back to, I had once heard this quote of, there's two pains in life. There's a pain of discipline and the pain of regret. Hmm. And which one do you want to live with down the line? And it's like, oh my gosh, when it comes to change, you know, you think of, there's a New York Times bestselling book called Atomic Habits, and it talks about just little incremental things that you can do to then... Fast forward two or three years and you're like, oh my gosh, my whole morning routine has changed. Even something as simple as that. I liked what you said about just patience and sitting with those that are going through the process. I think as the podcast is called The Places Between, as humans, we know what it's like to wait. And whether or not we wait well or we wait while we're kicking and screaming, You know, I'd like to think that through... Guests and experts like yourself and other guests that I've had on the podcast that our hope is to encourage anyone listening that waiting well is possible and it's possible to thrive in those transitions. It is possible to transition well. The Bible passage of we move from glory to glory. Mm. Well, and then there's a pastor, pastor or two that I think they share each other's quotes, but they're at the same church. So. If you think about our life moving from glory to glory, but in between, we're in the hallways. So, Mm -hmm. I have heard a pastor say, we move from glory to glory, but it's hell in the hallways. And it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. sometimes it really does feel like that, you know, the transition points. But is there anything that you can add about learning to just wait well in terms of internally?
0: Yes, it's hard, again, to wait, and it's just hard to sit. Sometimes when we sit and listen to God, even just starting that can feel daunting. You know, if we have quiet time and we're not used to that, what do we do? And it's hard to to forget that we don't need to do, you know, we have to be. And if we be and just sit, then we can listen, then we can have peace. Um, that's important. That's an important practice. And it looks different for a lot of people. It doesn't have to be in the mornings, though it is for a lot of people. It doesn't have to include journaling. But that can help a lot of people. It, there are certain practices, meditating, anything that you could do to quiet yourself. Sometimes stretching, you know, stretching while you're praying or just connecting with God, listening to worship music, going for a walk, just learning to sit. And it might be five minutes. I remember that for me one time, just to start with five minutes to shut my mind off it was very difficult. But it, once I did and I, Included some other things like in like music and I I was stretching and just doing different things that allowed me to quiet my mind. Um, not empty it, but quiet it and then invite God into it. And sometimes I feel encouraged immediately. Like this just feels good to be able to quiet my mind. So um, when we're pursuing change, when we're in the transition, we need to hear clearly. And because it's not always, we don't have the answers. I think we can only coast so far on the spiritual fumes (laughs) from yesterday. So we need to engage regularly, daily, multiple times a day uh, with God to hear that. And to hear that confirmed over and over again about first of all, who we are and our identity, but then what do I do? You know, we need to know who we are before we step into action. And when we feel secure, even just that day, feel secure in who we are, and we know God has taken care of us and he's with us and he won't leave us, then we can take that step confidently. And some days, not a lot's going to happen, but we take that you know small step every day and head in that direction. We can look back and say, you know, I'm so glad that I took a step that day and the next day and the next day because even if it's again years later, I feel better and I'm not back there. I'm not in that place of guessing or wondering or maybe feeling hopeless and defeated. You know, I took a step, I connected to people, I've stayed close to God and I'll be okay. And the safe people around me will comfort me. You know, they'll remind me of my identity and my authority and what I can do and to know that, you know, I have what it takes.
1: Amen. That's so good. One of the things that I like to do is put little scriptures on like my bathroom mirror or by light mm-hmm. switches because it continually reminds me of God's promises over my life, mm-hmm. especially if I am in a hard place because we all go through funks and, you know, we have this onslaught of negative thoughts that we have to filter through every day anyways. So when we're reminded of those spiritual truths or that God hasn't left us, He's not going to forsake us, that He works all things together for good, even the bad. That's what helps me continually keep going day to day. So that. I do, I would love to hear, when does your book come out? How can we find it?
0: The book is on Amazon right now, it, so you can pre-order it as of today. Um, and the release date is October ten. For the paperback, and I will be recording an audio version soon, and should be out in December. Just search emotional safety, and then my name, Alex Avila, and you should be able to see it.
1: I love it. Well, I just think this is so needed, especially now. So, whether or not you want to get a copy for you and a copy for a significant other or a friend, I would just encourage you guys to do it together. It always helps when you have somebody reading the same thing, and then you can be like, "What did you think about this chapter?" and have a dialogue over it. Additionally, as we were talking before we started recording and I was asking you, Alex, about your practice. And I know for listeners, if you are just discovering Alex for the first time, he's been doing therapy for couples for close to 15 years or just over 15 years, I believe. But I know you do specialize in specifically helping guys, right? Can you tell us little bit about like your practice and then of course i will tag how to reach you specifically in our show notes if anybody has further questions that they just they want to do some online counseling with you
0: (laughs) sure yeah i i started relationship institute of the rockies the vision was in about 2013 i launched i think in 2014 but it's it was to help bring classes To the public a lot of people might not go to counseling either because you know they're going to feel like something's wrong with them or they'll feel judged or it's expensive so i wanted to bring a lot of what i get from trainings and deliver it into classes so that's kind of how that started but i so i've been a therapist and have seen individuals and couples and it really broke my heart when i started to to see boys that were 10 11 years old and parents bringing them in and saying that he's addicted to pornography and that just shook me. I mean, it just rocked my world. I thought, you know, as as you and I, when we have worked with trafficking and just helping prevent a lot of this at a young age and seeing that coming and, and all of that, pornography is is tied to that. And it just broke my heart that kids at this young age were getting that template of what relationships and sex look like, which is very, very wrong, right? It's not not just morally wrong, but it's it's completely inaccurate. But they were addicted, like they were to video games. I mean, it was in their science out there that shows how the brain changes. So that's when I started pursuing training in sex addiction recovery. So I, I meet with a lot of men. I do men's sexual recovery groups. I have three of them going each week. And it's really to help guys sit alongside other men who are struggling with similar things, learn from me, share with each other some things that they can't really share with anybody else. I have guys say this every week. I'm so glad we can just say this. I can't talk to anybody else about this. And you guys get it and they don't feel judged and they support each other. So I really enjoy helping men with that. Um, I work as a trainer for um, the International Institute for Trauma and Addiction Professionals. And through that, I teach therapists in a certification program to help partners who have been betrayed, who experience betrayal trauma because that just in the last several years has been recognized as a trauma when somebody's on the other side of that kind of infidelity and violation of trust so also teaching their pastoral sex addiction professional program so it helps equip minister leaders um, we did this last month and you know, we had someone people from all over the world will attend which is great when we do this online so we're helping people in ministry that, have guys coming to them. So they're learning a lot of what therapists would learn and knowing how to support them, you know, send them to the right resources, but certainly be with them and be aware of the pull that this addiction can have on people. So I've, I've enjoyed that, started doing that training several years ago and I've loved helping people really become free from a lot of this. They're not in isolation. They're among other people who are wanting to get free. And there's a real hope that comes out of that. Mm.
1: Thank you for your work with people's lives. I know even just hearing you talk as somebody who I've experienced relational betrayal, and that's, I've alluded to it in other podcast episodes. So I'm pretty open about that. But that's also what pulled me into working with anti trafficking efforts and to raise awareness about the damages that pornography. Mm causes and relationships. And it's also encouraging to us as females to know that there are other solid, grounded men after God's heart that are also like, I see this as a huge issue that's plaguing our society. And I want to do something to combat it and to provide a safe space for your network, for newbies to come and learn from you. So whether it's with Relationship Institute of the Rockies or One-on-One Therapy, I just want to thank you for your work and just the incredible words that you've already shared. I wish I could share all of our shift conferences with people that are listening. Even just what you shared today, I appreciate so much. Mm -hmm. And We'll be praying over your book release. And again, just want to encourage people to go support you and and download your copy today. So as we start to wrap up, the last question I ask all of my guests is, what place are you between and how can we pray for you, Alex?
0: Yeah, so thank you. I feel like I'm I'm in this season still of learning and growing, and I love absorbing information and being able to share that with others. Uh, I recently started a PhD program in clinical sexology. I didn't think when I was going to become a therapist that I was going to specialize in this, but I've seen the need to be able to help people restore uh, themselves to sexual wholeness. So, um, any prayer for that is appreciated. And just really how my wife and son and I can be connected to the right communities and families and people, ministry leaders that I can connect to. Um, I'm wanting to do more speaking, wanting to continue the role I've been in training therapists and ministry leaders in this important topic of, of sexual wholeness, bringing emotional safety into that and intimacy. So in that transition, is just figuring out, waiting on God, who's he going to connect us to? Where is he going to take us? And we're just enjoying that process. But I um, would love prayers for that.
1: Absolutely. Well, with God, He is the divine connector. So, we'll for sure be praying for your pursuits. And just want to thank you again for joining us for a little bit.
0: Thank you so much, Wendy. I appreciate everything. Everything that you do to serve people and how you believe in people and how you're so encouraging to others. So, thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be here.
1: Yeah. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Just want to encourage you to share the show and go support Alex and his new book. And we'll catch you again next week. I'm over here cheering you on, friend. You just finished another episode of the Places Between podcast. If you wanna access more, be sure to subscribe or visit theplacesbetween.com to learn more about our guests, episode sponsors, upcoming retreats, and more. Like stay in the story a 25-day devotional all about staying in your story while you wait on your dreams, on God, and on life to come to fruition. And lastly, if you're looking for an online community of people who also want to transition well, then come say hi over on Instagram at the between. As always, thanks for taking time to dive into The Places Between. Until next time, keep enjoying that journey.